weary world rejoices tonight. May the meditations of our hearts and my words be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Please be seated. Merry Christmas. This Christmas you might find yourself just a little weary, and for good reasons. What a year we've been through. But tonight, tonight a weary world rejoices. We rejoice because in faith we have received the best of all possible news. We have received by faith the good news, the good news of God. The good news of God is that God is love and that God has come to us in the most intimate of ways to offer himself to us in hopes that we would be in a loving communion forever and ever. This is what Christmas reveals to us, God's love. Now, we know this story. We don't need more facts about this story. We know about the story, don't we? Mary and the angels and the Roman soldiers, uh, the manger, the birth, all of those things. We know the story, but what is the revelation of the story? And then, what is the meaning of the revelation for each one of us tonight, tomorrow, and then on into 2021? What are these implications for each of us? Well, the revelation is this. The eternal being, speaking of God, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus inside a woman's body. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. One of my favorite quotes because it pinpoints with accuracy what the faith of the apostles actually is. Before God said, let there be light, within the Holy Trinity was the settled knowledge that the Father would send his own life and son to be joined with the creation in the person of the Son. So then, Jesus Christ is the eternal Son and Word of God, who without suffering any change to his divinity, became man and restored humanity to its original glory. Now, after I've said these two very theological things, we can be thinking, though, about the transfiguration. Remember the transfiguration. Jesus is now a grown man. He takes Peter, James, and John with him, and for a brief moment their eyes are open to see the glory of the divinity of the Son of God shining through his flesh and his humanity in a brightness that confused them completely. So we are saying this revelation is that God became man and only God knows how this works. We can't figure it out. But we can relax and trust 
that if God can speak and create the universe that we know and live in, God can can figure how to actually get into the universe that he created. So we just leave that to God. But God became man and truly entered into the world that you and I know and live in. This world, not some other world, not a fairy tale world, this actual world that's full of grass and trees and water and mountains, full of flesh and blood and bones and bodies. God took on a body in order to redeem our bodies, literally. This world of mind, of heart, of soul, of will, God truly became human in this incarnation. So the next question is, getting into a little bit of the meaning, why did God do this? Well, this is astounding to say, but I believe it's true simply because God is love. And God is love, and God loves you. And you and you, God loves his creation. God loves those made in his image. God loves each one of us. Now, if we really think about it on this Christmas Eve, I was giving you a little time to think there. If we really think about it, this should just blow our mind because we really don't think about these things. We're concerned with what's in front of us, what we have to do that particular day. We're just trying to get through the end of the day because we're exhausted. And I can't even think about what is going on the day after because it's just too much for me. But if we simply think about it, we can understand that God has gone to infinite lengths to love us and to offer himself to us so that we could have this loving communion forever. It just should blow our mind. It's the most amazing, extravagant thing anyone could ever come up with, but this is the Christian faith. And this is what I'm hoping all of us believe, or at least most of us believe, in this room. It was out of the love of God spilling outside of himself that created the world. And it is that love of God that is reaching out and entering into that beloved creation to become one with it and become a human being. But it doesn't stop there. Hildegard of Bingen says, God's son became human so that human beings might have their home in God. That's where our home is. We are to live in God and God is to live in us in a communion of love. Well, let's go deeper because we're flying at 30,000 feet right now. We have to go even deeper. God, in his love... In becoming human, becoming flesh and blood, just like us, accepted the helplessness of being a baby. God loves us so much that he would travel the infinite lengths of becoming a helpless baby for us. 
Because God is love, God accepted the ultimate risks of life as a human being. The risk of rejection, the risk of ridicule, finally even the risk of death itself. And because God is love and is seeking to love each one of us, God accepted the total uncertainty of our human response. My response, your response... His love offered Jesus with no guarantee that we would respond. Now, this is just amazing, isn't it? It's just, it's more than we can actually think, think because we don't really think about it very often. But God is giving himself fully, totally, offering himself in all vulnerability to seek to love us with no guarantee of a response. And God still does it because God is love and he loves us. Well, in his own day, the response that Jesus received by the powerful elite, the Romans and the aristocratic Jews, was death. They executed him. But of course, Jesus was raised powerfully out of death by his father. In John's gospel, Jesus says, I lay myself down. And I raise myself back up. I lay myself down. I lay my life down. I raise my life back up. So you have both sides of the same event there. But in the resurrected, glorified Jesus, he is still seeking us. He's still loving us. He's still after us. And he won't quit. That's really good news. So, this amazing story, this amazing love, is that God's divine love and life in Jesus Christ enters into our own helplessness, our own vulnerability, our own uncertainty, our chaos, our confusion, our anguish, and even going into our rebellion and even entering our death in order to heal, to forgive, to restore, and to fill it with his life. That's the length that God is going to show us that he's perfect love, that he perfectly loves us, that he's offering himself to us and waiting for a response. So Jesus seeks us out to be joined with us in a bond and communion of love forever. And this, my friends, is what I believe Christmas is all about. This is what the apostolic faith is, to the best of my understanding. It's so outrageous that it's almost hard to take in. But yet, there it is. We are about to say a creed that says the same thing in very fancy words. Someone who is our contemporary says this, Morton Kelsey, I love this quote. He says, I myself am very glad that the divine child was born in a stable because my soul is very much like a stable, filled with strange, unsatisfied longings, 
with guilt and animal-like impulses, tormented by anxiety, inadequacy, and pain. If the Holy One could be born in such a place, that one can be born in me also. I am not excluded. He is so right. No one, absolutely no one, is excluded from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I also found sort of a summary statement by John Paul II. He says, in Jesus Christ, God not only speaks to man, but also seeks him out. The incarnation of the Son of God attests that God goes in search of men and women. Jesus speaks of this search as finding lost sheep. God's after us. God loves us. I have no idea why. It makes no sense to me, ultimately. I'm not a good catch. I don't think you all are probably much better. <laughs> Maybe a little better. But, but not, you know, qualitatively better. <laughs> Philip Yancey, if you don't know him, you should find out about him. He's a great author, a great person of words. Reminds us that 21 centuries ago, something significant happened. <laughs> That's the understatement of all creation. While Rome was busy making history, God arrived. He pitched his fleshly tent in silence, in straw, in a stable, under a star. That's so like our Savior, he says, quietly, humbly making his entrance. That's still how he moves. He will not storm the fortress of your stubborn heart. Instead, he stands patiently at the door, knocking as he waits to be let in. Dare we really open the door? Dare we invite Christ in? Not so much in our rational thought, because we can check off the theology, but moving down into the world of heart and soul, the world of secrets, the world that no one else knows or sees, that world that is so personal to us. Well, the best thing we could do for ourselves, the best thing we could do for others, the best thing we could do for this world is to open that door and speak out loud that invitation for Christ to come in. Christ will enter in and His holy presence will forgive and heal and restore and that holy presence of Christ, that absolute loving presence of Christ will in fact satisfy the soul unlike anything else in this world. And that's the very end of the good news because even before the end of all time, before our death, we can taste of the sweetness of this loving communion here and now. And that's what we're called to do, I believe, is to invite him in.
Philip Brooks, the rector of Trinity Church, Boston, and also a very eloquent person with words, has these words for us. I think you know them. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls still receive him, the dear Christ enters in. A weary world rejoices tonight, rejoicing at Christmas, rejoicing in the story, rejoicing in the revelation, rejoicing in the meaning for us of all of it, of God's love for us. In response, may we rejoice tonight. Rejoice tonight in love and faith and trust as beloved sons and daughters of God. Amen.